Hey, welcome to today's episode at Java with Jen. If you've walked with the Lord for very long, chances are you've heard the term discipleship, make disciples, discipling in some way, form, or fashion. And to be honest, it's a fairly unsexy topic, really because we've grown so accustomed to hearing this phrase, but maybe not even entirely knowing what it means or what it looks like in application. Well, today's episode, I am going to answer the questions, who should be making disciples, who should we be discipling, and how should we do it? Now, the audio is pulled from a live event where I was a guest speaker at a women's discipleship conference hosted by Courtney Lohman of the Journey of Ruth podcast. And if you like more content on discipling and discipleship, then you're going to want to go check out her podcast. But while I'm sharing that, I wanted to also put it out there. Um, I have been asked in the past if I speak at events or if I come, you know, can be hired as a guest speaker. The answer is yes. So if you have a women's event or a discipleship event or some kind of church event coming up and you're looking for um, a guest communicator, I would be happy and to be considered. And you are welcome to reach out to me. You can email me at javawithjenpodcast at gmail.com and we can have that conversation. But otherwise, share this episode with a friend, uh, maybe a mom friend. You guys are itching like there's something I need something more in my life right now. Discipleship and building those kind of relationships fuels your life with a sense of purpose, significance, and eternal mm, value, honestly. And so that may be what you're looking for. So send this to a friend, send this episode to a pastor or your church leader, especially if they are looking to hire somebody to come speak at an event. Uh, But otherwise, let's jump into the show. It's a great one. Hi, you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Lee Samuel. On this show, I bring the simplicity of hearing God's voice into everyday life in a no-nonsense, authentic, and super practical way. With coffee in hand and real life in our faces, let's do this. Let me share a little story with you about Miss D. And I met Miss D actually just a couple weeks ago, and she... And her husband had, uh, he had, he had gotten delivered from this crazy lifestyle. Before they got married, he was about 26. They see, he sits down, he goes, now listen, D, I'm going to tell you everything I've done. And you need to tell me now if any of it's a deal breaker, because if we're getting married, I need to know if you're really in it with me. And so he told her all the stuff he had done. And she said it took a while and it was like, it was ongoing, but she just decided, she goes, no, none of that's a deal breaker. We're getting married. We're doing this for life. And so he was a new convert, and he was really excited to grow in the Lord. And so they were attending church, and finally he was like, you know what, I... I something's missing. I need somebody who can who can mentor me and help me really grow. And so he went to a gentleman at church and asked him if he would disciple him. And that gentleman turned and looked at him and he goes, No, 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 you don't you don't want me. And he walks away and he was like that didn't go how I planned. And so he went and he asked another guy. And that guy was like, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have the time. And so he went and asked a third gentleman. Same story. Everybody turned him down. Now, he was hungry. He wanted to grow. And everybody turned him down. So Miss D uh, was, was a little bit brokenhearted about this. Like, what in the world? And she's like, well, I'll see if maybe there's some ladies available. Maybe they got husbands or something. And um, that could help you. And so she went and she went and sought out a woman that was actually a leader in the church. And she asked her, hey, would you be willing to disciple me? 
And she said, oh, you know what? I would, but I'm so busy. I've got so many things on my plate. Can you, could you see if somebody else is available? I'm so sorry. And so she turned her down. And Miss D went to another woman and said, would you be able to disciple me? Same response. She went to a third woman, and the third woman turned her down as well. So this couple is hungry. They want to grow in the Lord. And six people have turned them down collectively as a couple. They, they were like, what, what are we supposed to do? How do I grow in the Lord? They just wanted someone to walk with them. And so her husband, who had been, become an elder at the church, was at an elders meeting, and they were asked to all pray together. And so he went to one of the group of guys that were already sitting together, and he said, hey, I'll, I want to go ahead and pray with you guys. And they were like, oh, you know, we're just kind of praying on our own. Um, and so they kind of passed him along. And he went and asked another little group, and they just passed him along. Nobody would pray with him among the elders. And so he just, man, after getting turned down by those three, and the getting, he was just like, what is this church thing about? So he goes home to Miss D, and he says, babe, I'm not going to church anymore. This is dumb. He was like, I want to grow in the Lord. Nobody wants to help me. Nobody wants to pray with me. I just, I don't know, why are we even going to church? This is pointless. I'm staying home. And he said, you can go to church. I'll just read my Bible at home. And Miss D goes, yeah, that's a deal breaker. (laughs) And so she was like, now she's in this place where she's like, my marriage is on the line here. I married a Christian man who'd go to church with me. What is going on? And so this took her on this crazy journey. Well, a few months later, a woman who's a leader in the church came up to Miss D. Her husband, um, D's husband, had been not coming to church for a while. And she comes up to Miss D and she said, Miss D, I'm so sorry to hear about your marriage. And Miss D goes, what about my marriage? And she goes, well, we've been hearing that you guys are getting a divorce because your husband hadn't been coming to church. And I'm just so sorry. Do you need anything? And she looked at her and she goes, hmm, interesting that all y'all can take the time to gossip about us, but you won't take the time to disciple us. And she said, you know, if you put as much time into gossiping as you did discipling because he wanted to grow and he was told no by multiple people, that's why he's home. Our marriage is fine. And I'm praying he's going to get back in church, but maybe this isn't the church for us. And so they ended up leaving that church. But it just goes to show how common it actually is you know it takes courage to step out and say will you disciple me that's vulnerable right I want you to pour into my life I'm going to open up who I am so you can speak into it that's vulnerable I realized in my years growing up I actually really craved mentorship and I had a hard time finding mentors in fact that's why I became so passionate about becoming a mentor and a discipler because I craved it so hard now to everyone else's credit, I also didn't want to inconvenience people, so I wasn't as assertive about asking as I should have been. So it's, it's definitely a two-way road. But I still craved discipleship. All I saw was busy moms everywhere, and I was like, they don't have time for me, you know? And so I say that this brings us to the question then, who should be discipling? Who should we be discipling, and how do we do that? These are the three questions I'm going to try to answer quickly, Okay. Now, in uh, Matthew 28, verse 16 through 20, is where Jesus talks about the Great Commission, which is our literal command to make disciples. So we're going to start right there. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. This answers our first question, who should make disciples? The 11 
were the ones who were close to Jesus and had a walking, working, obedient relationship with him. Okay, now, while yes, I agree with what Courtney said, everyone, everyone in here is meant to make disciples, I do believe there's a caveat in that when you make disciples, you're multiplying who you are into someone, right? I don't think Jesus would be like, hey, all y'all everywhere who bear my name somehow, some way, duplicate yourselves, right? Because Jesus wants disciples who are seeking him, serving him, walking with him, because the goal is to bring heaven to earth, bring heaven's kingdom here. And so here we see that his 11 disciples, those are the ones that had a relationship with him. Those are the ones who walked with him. Those are the ones that he, that he called and that he gave this command to. And so I believe that some of the important attributes of a disciple maker of you is that you have a growing relationship with the Lord, that obedience to the Lord is a priority in your life. And that's on just daily living, you know, that following him and walking in obedience is important to you. That's where living a Holy Spirit-led life is, is actually a key to that. Um, that you've thought to yourself, man, I wish I had learned X, Y, Z 10 years ago. If you've ever thought that to yourself, you have something to offer because you've learned it and someone else is probably looking for that. And then you want to use your gifts to serve the Lord. These are some little, little uh, I hate to use the word qualifiers because we're so quick to disqualify ourselves, but we want quality disciplers, right? Now, rest your mind. If you're here, that's probably you. Because not everybody's going to come out early on a Saturday morning for a non-sexy topic <laughs> like discipleship, okay? So you are here. Now, what these disciples did is they were faithful. There's, there's, in our college ministry, uh, I meant to tell you guys a little bit about our college ministry. So we started with a few international students. My husband's Indian. Oh, did they put up the picture of my family? Oh, okay. Sorry, I forgot to introduce them. <laughs> my husband's home with all four of our boys right now. Uh, but my husband's from India, so he had a real heart for the international students at the university. Oh, there they are. See my boys? The one sitting next to me, he's like six foot one and he's 14. I'm like, bruh. I'm having to like yell at him, like, stop eating all the food. You're expensive. So anyways, um, but those are my boys. They're precious. My one on the left right there, Judah, he's actually uh, a phenomenal guitarist, and we get to do the worship team together, and he's teaching guitarists at school, and it's a blessing. They're just precious. So anyways, that's my family. Um, where was I? The college ministry. So my husband's from India. He became a U.S. citizen while we were dating, and so we had a heart for the international students, and so we would have them over to our house. It started with three or four. Well, it snowballed slowly but surely. My husband's a great teacher of the word. Snowballed into this Bible study on the campus, 30 or 40 students. And then it grew to 80 or 90 students. And then it grew to 150 students. And before we knew it, we were the largest club on campus. Well, part of our model was small group making, small group leader making. And so at our largest, we had about 35 small group leaders at one time. But we had had probably, we've probably had, I don't know, about 100 of them come through at this point. And we had hundreds of college students come through the college ministry. And what we used to teach them is this is what the Lord is looking for. God is looking for fat people. I know everyone's like, Ugh. I know, I twitched the first time I heard that. I was like, I don't know about that. Can we come up with a different acronym? Fat people, faithful, available, and teachable people. Okay, so the disciples here, they were faithful. In that first verse, they were given an instruction to go. And so they did. They went. The 11 disciples went to the mountain that Jesus told them to go. They were faithful. And faithfulness is that you are willing to obey 
and faithful to do it. That is faithful. You guys all know the parable where he says, good and fa- or, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little. I'm going to give you more. Faithfulness is essential to the discipler and the disciplee's lifestyle. Faithfulness. Because here's the deal. Those college students, we were faithful with three or four. We'd have them at my house. I'd cook for them, bless their hearts. None of them died. They probably could have. And, you know, we were faithful with them. I would drive them back at two in the morning after we'd spent all evening with them, and we'd talk about the Lord in the car. We were faithful with the students the Lord put in front of us. And next thing we knew, it had grown to the largest club on this university campus. And now, even still, if you meet a young adult in our area, they probably went through our college ministry. And it kind of blew my mind how the Lord took a little group of three or four and it became the most well-established college ministry in our area. It's still going today. We walked away from it about five years ago. We raised up pastors to take it over and campus missionaries, and it's still going. And they're still making disciples. Okay, the next thing that they were is they were available. Okay, and the fact that they went, the fact that they dropped their lives. You guys have seen The Chosen, right? It, it follows their story so well about how each one of them stepped away from their life to follow Jesus. And that availability is such a picture for us of like, Lord, I have a plan today, but I'm willing to lay aside my plan to fulfill what you have for me on today. Is there anybody that you'd like me to talk to? Is there anybody that you want me to visit with? Whatever. And so availability is important. And this is what confronts most of the opposition that we experience in disciple-making is that people are busy. They, they're not necessarily interested in taking the time. They're not necessarily interested in making themselves available. Like those people that Miss D and her husband, none of them were available. None of them. And so disciplers need to be available. Faithful with the small, faithful with the person in front of you, and available. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. God has deposited something inside of you, and there will be a day that you stand before the Lord, and you're going to give an account for your life. Now, I don't know about you guys, but this has motivated me since I was a child. I literally live my life to hear the Lord say, Good and faithful servant. I live my life and have since I was a kid to hear those words because we will all face that day. And it's exciting because when we grab a hold of God's purposes for today, your life is then filled with adventure, purpose, and significance. Okay? The next one, now for those of you who are like, but what about the fact that I'm still really growing in the Lord? Maybe those of you who are younger or those of you who feel like you're just very aware of the things you're still trying to work out in your life. Well, look at this. In the next verse... In verse 17, it says, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. He didn't use that as a a disqualifier. He just acknowledged some of them doubted. But they were all disciples, and they were all given this mandate. And so what that tells me is that even in the midst of our journeys and our growing, you're going to have some doubt. You're going to have some struggles. You're going to have your imperfections that you work with. But let me tell you, as a parent, my kids actually learn a lot from watching me fail and me being candid and taking responsibility and watching how I overcome that. And the same is true of the people whose lives you pour into. Now, just a little wisdom nugget. I have found it's best to share with the people you're mentoring or discipling to teach from your past failures because then you're standing in a place of overcoming and you can teach from that place of wisdom versus the things you're currently walking through. 
because as a leader, it gives them stability to know you've gone through it and you have hope and you have a tool you can offer them. But if you open up all your current struggles, that can make them feel a little unstable, like, are you going to be able to help me? Or are you not? And so that's just a little piece of wisdom I've learned over the years. Teach them your past struggles, not necessarily your current ones. Share with the person who's discipling you. <laughs> okay. And so the next one that we see is teachability, faithfulness, availability, and teachability. They doubted. And so the ability to acknowledge that I don't have this figured out, that I need the Lord's wisdom, the willingness to grow beyond what you currently know or understand, and the humility to be corrected. Because none of us are perfect. You're going to get corrected by your leaders, and it's, it's a wonderful thing. Proverbs says that a wise man loves correction and heeds correction. And so teachability needs to be an attribute of our lives because the Holy Spirit is constantly making us more like him. Okay, the next question a lot of people will ask is what gives me the right or the authority to do this? Now, Jesus says in this next verse, he says, Then Jesus came to them saying, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Your authority to do this comes from Jesus himself. Okay? And so the fact that God has given you this mandate, he's given you the authority to do this. Now, there is also mankind that you work with. And so we see later in the New Testament that authority comes through man as well, comes through leadership structures he's put in the church. And so your authority comes from God and it comes from man. And it's very important to walk wisely with the both, right? You have the commissioning from the Lord, but you want to walk um, submitted to authority. And the fact, hopefully you will have disciplers in your life as well whether that's a church leader, a mentor, or whatever, but having someone who's speaking into your life and helping you develop the authority and the anointing on your life is essential to you growing as an effective disciple maker as well. It's good accountability. We always teach our college students, a real disciple maker makes disciples who make disciples. You know your effectiveness in making disciples by your spiritual grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And something that I love is in the college ministry that we started, we passed it off five years ago, and every year in the fall when they're training up their new small group leaders, one of the exercises is they have to write a letter to someone who is their spiritual grandparent or spiritual, the spiritual lineage that they're drawing from. And so I will get messages from college students who I've never met before, and they'll tell me, thank you for the way that you poured into Hannah or into Emily, to Delena, because Hannah mentored Emily, who mentored Donzie, who mentored Lydia, who's mentoring me. And you started that path. Thank you for your investment. And that is so powerful because that encourages me that the seeds I sowed and the time I took, the disciples I made, are making disciples. And so that's the goal, not just the person in front of you, but then challenging them to find the people behind them. Okay, so that brings us to our second question. Who should we be discipling? Okay. Now, if faithful, available, teachable is what qualifies you, it's also the kind of qualities that you want to look for in someone that you're discipling. Matthew 28, verse 19 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, all nations... Okay. This I just loved. It freed me so much when I was in high school, actually. Go and make disciples doesn't mean you necessarily have to go sign up for a missions trip for it to count. The word go literally means as you're going. As you're going about the day. As you're folding your laundry. As you're going to church. 
as you're going to work, as you're going to the grocery store, as you're going, make disciples. And so my college girls, I used to have them over. They, they have folded so much laundry of mine. Bless their souls. I was drowning in laundry. Four babies, they were little. All the laundry, they helped me fold laundry. They came over. I taught them how to bake bread. Courtney, that must be like a rite of passage, teaching them how to cook too. It's like a thing. And so as you're going, we talked about so many different things, budgeting, all the things. We did so much. They helped me raise my kids, but they learned those aspects of life as well. And it was important. Go into all nations. Now, the nations references any people group. If you, I also work as a wardrobe stylist. I have a business, and, I, and I'm in the fashion industry. Something I did not expect to get into, the Lord pulled me into it years back. And so what I love is I have a vision to make disciples in that industry as well. And I love it. Instagram is actually kind of like my church a little bit. And I've had people who I've met through fashion call me and say, hey, I just got a horrible doctor's report. I, I want someone to pray with me, and you're the only person I could think of who I know prays. Would you pray with me? So I prayed with them, and she ended up with a miracle. The Lord touched her body, and it was powerful. But wherever God has called you, whether he's called you to be a teacher, whether he's called you into engineering, wherever he's called you, there will be people around you. And those are the people that the Lord is wanting to put on your radar. Now, he said, go and make disciples, baptizing them. Baptizing them indicates that there is conversions happening. It means that you are bringing new people into the fold. This is one of the baptisms that we had our small group leaders do at the university pool. Um, and the reason, I don't know if you all can see over my head, the reason why uh, there's so many of them, we just did it all at once. Because there were so many students we were baptizing that we just did it all at once and they all said it together. It was, the video is really fun. But anyways... Baptizing, listen, these are college students. They are not theologians. They're not mothers. They have very little life experience at this point. But they were taking and being faithful with their little loaves and fishes of experience and learning, and they were making disciples, and we were baptizing people. And some of those guys have gone on to be missionaries, have gone on to be pastors, have gone on to make small groups in their engineering department at work. And so... Doing, being faithful with the little seeds that you sow will grow. Okay, so who do we disciple as you are going? Now, this is fun. There is, there's three kind of ways that I've seen this. Okay, there's accidental discipleship, <laughs> which is like the people that are just built into your life, and you're living Jesus out loud, and they're impacted by it. So when I was in high school, a friend of ours, Chrissy, she and I ate lunch together every single day in high school. Now, I'm a bit of a blabbermouth, and so... At lunch, I would just be talk, talk, talking about my missions trips and the things the Lord was doing and the small, groups I, the small group I was leading. And come our senior year, Chrissy would talk about her life. You know, I'd give her advice, whatever. And so at the end of high school, our senior year, she looked at me and she goes, and she never came to my small group, never. I had small groups throughout all of high school. She never came. But she looked at me and she goes, hey, Jen, you know what? I feel like you've discipled me throughout high school. And I, honestly, I didn't even really use that word much at that point. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, well, when I started high school, I mean, I went to church sometimes, but I didn't read my Bible for myself. I didn't know you could hear God's voice. I didn't know any of this stuff. She goes, but sharing lunch with you and hearing what the Lord's done in your life, she's like, I can hear God's voice now. I love to read my Bible and, and I'm growing in the Lord. She was like, but that's all because of the things that you shared and the things. So I was like, holy crap, I accidentally made a disciple. <laughs> and so there is such a thing as accidental disciples 
if you're living your life in a contagious way. Second would be intentional discipleship, which is, you know, you're what you, what you think of maybe when you think of discipleship, which is small groups, um, mentoring, one-on-one relationships, things like that. And then the third group of people uh, is just people that God brings to you because they're hungry, like Dee and her husband. People that God puts in your path because they're hungry. This could be coworkers, like the girl who messaged me on Instagram. She was hungry. Uh, your kids, let's not overlook the role, the important role of parenting. Neighbors that you interact with a lot, maybe a mom on the PTA, the, the barista that you see at the coffee shop all the time. My husband actually went to a coffee shop all the time and built a relationship with this barista, and he was very intentional. And I'll walk you through the little process real fast. Um, but he, he built a relationship with her and led her into spiritual conversations, conversations about the Lord, brought her a Bible, ended up praying with her, and he was just intentional is all that it was. And so the enemy of this way of thinking, of doing this one-on-one discipleship and, and being faithful with the people around us, the enemy of that thinking is that bigger is better. And the and reason I address that is because it is everywhere. If you're on Instagram, you should be growing your account. If you're on TikTok, how do I get more followers? If I'm on this, if my ministry is here, how do I get, how do I get twice as many people? How do I get more countries? You know, it's like everything is from a human. I think that's the pride of life that drives us to think like that. But bigger is better is the way our culture thinks, but that's not way the kingdom of God thinks. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit told me a couple of weeks ago, I was praying about my podcast and it's in a lot of countries and a lot of people listen to it. But in my heart, I was like, Lord, is it actually making a difference? Is it actually making a difference? Like, I don't want just people to hear my voice. I want to change people's lives and and help them grow in you. And the Lord said, gently, take heart. The world is changed in groups of five and ten. And I was like, oh, I thought about it. A family, about five, give or take. Ten, a really big family, or a small group. You know, or maybe about as many people as you can keep up with really relationally, you know, five and ten. And then I thought back to our experience in disciple making. It's true, five and ten. And so if our mindset and our focus, which is very counterculture, is fixated on faithfulness, faithfulness, stewarding the person in front of you, stewarding the people that come to you. Lord, is this someone you've brought to me that I'm going to give an account for? stewarding faithfulness and being faithful with those five and ten, that is how the world is changed. So for those of you who are like, give me a process, real quick, I'm not going to get deep into it because I don't want to take, I don't want to steal the thunder of the next session. Um, But real quick, this is a little process my husband and I follow lightly. I mean, to be honest, it's pretty natural. I flew on an airplane uh, on Wednesday to get here and the gentleman who sat next to me, we went through three of these four steps just in our three-hour conversation. So it is actually pretty natural of a process, but for those who like, you know, uh, steps, the first, the way that you can develop a relationship with someone, let's say it's the barista, you see them all the time, but you're like, I don't know how to get from here to discipling that person. So here's how you can do that. First of all, casual conversation, which is, hey, what's your name? How many kids do you have? Oh, where do you work? Oh, do you like your job? And just getting to know them, building a little bit of a rapport. Okay, casual conversation. And the next step is meaningful conversation, which is more significant. It's more vulnerable. Maybe that's where you get into your life struggles, um, life directions, hopes and dreams. Like, oh, yeah, I work as a blah, 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 but I don't know. I don't really love my job. 
really? Well, what is it you want to do? Oh, it's my dream to be a movie star or whatever. It's my dream to be this. Oh, really? Well, okay, so talk to me about that. And then kind of just following those conversations into something more of the heart. Well, then once you get into issues of the heart, it becomes very easy and natural to bring the Lord in as the Lord has been ministering to you in your own personal life. You can bring that into the conversation. And so that's meaningful, sorry, that's spiritual conversation. And so that's where you would say, um, you know, like, like with the guy on the airplane the other day, I was just talking to him. He was like, oh, you have a podcast. I'm like, yeah, I do. I really love it. It's called Java Witch and it's faith-based. And so he was like, oh, that's cool. And so as we're getting to know each other, he learns I'm a pastor and I, he learns that I have this faith-based podcast. And so I shared at one point in the conversation about something the Lord had spoken to me. And he was like, wow, that's incredible. That's a really great story. Oh, I shared how my father-in-law came to the U.S., And it was a very God-ordained thing. So just me sharing that story about how my father-in-law got here brought God into the conversation. So then he started opening up about his own spiritual journey. And so it just kind of naturally followed this progression. Now, I'm not going to make this guy my disciple. That'd be a little weird. But you could easily follow this pathway. So the, the next step is when you have a rapport with someone and you guys have become comfortable pulling God into your conversation, maybe you've prayed with them. Maybe you've said, hey, when I was going through that, this is how the Lord walked me through it. Then you have a ripe opportunity to say, hey, would you like to, would you like to do this more? Like maybe we could read a book together. Would you like to come over and get together for coffee? And then you just kind of nurture the hunger for the Lord that you see in their heart, and you begin to nurture it. Now, this process can work, but man, it's magic when you have been praying. When you've been praying and asking the Lord, God, take us from casual conversation to meaningful. God, take us from meaningful to spiritual conversation. Take me now, Lord. Show me how to pose the question to ask them if they'd like to get together, maybe read a book together. And then that is literally how simple it is to walk with someone into a deeper relationship. Granted, it's easier if they just come to you and say, hey, I want to learn. Would you disciple me? (laughs) That's the easiest. Um, Pray for some of those as well. And I would encourage you to be asking the Lord, bring people to me that are hungry, that are teachable, that are easy or eager to learn. So in closing, be really intentional. You have a mandate on your life to make disciples. You have, and you're going to stand before the Lord for your life, and that shouldn't induce fear, but honestly, excitement. I get, to, I get to bring to the Lord what I've done with my life. And when you're walking in partnership with the Holy Spirit, following his instruction, following his guidance, listening to his voice, man, it's an exciting journey full of purpose, full of significance. So be intentional. You can create this quadrant, um, that's behind me. For anybody that you have in your life, you're like, okay, if you want to keep up, maybe you're kind of one of those people, you just do better with like structure and stuff. You can put them on there. And then what we do is I have every day in my calendar, an alarm goes off, says pray for Keisha and Zavian, our college pastors. And so I have an alert. I pray for them throughout the day and I'll text them. And this is actually a great way to lead into the spiritual or the disciple conversation is, hey, I'm praying for you today. Is there anything I can be praying about? You have no idea how that literally makes people open up like, oh my gosh, you're praying for me. So just being intentional, being faithful to build these relationships. Now listen, we want, as long as there is a D or a her husband around me, I don't want them to say that they couldn't find someone to disciple them. 
Lord, put those people in my life. Put these people in your life so that you can be faithful with those people. And imagine how full and rich your life will feel, full of significance, full of purpose, and you can impart that to other people and teach them how to do the same. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, don't miss our merch store where you can get super cool Java with Jen swag and coffee. Find it at javawithjenmerch.com. Until next time, remember, hearing God's voice is simple and he wants to be a part of your everyday life. See you next week.